0: Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. We're going to begin with a scripture reading. There's a reason why. It has to do with the theme of souls. Okay, here we go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is from Mark chapter 8, beginning at verse 34. Jesus summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If a man wishes to come after me, he must deny his very self, take up his cross, And follow in my steps. Whoever would preserve his soul will lose it. But whoever loses his soul for my sake and the gospel's will preserve it. What profit does a man show who gains the whole world and destroys his soul in the process? What can a man offer in exchange for his soul? If anyone in this faithless and corrupt age is ashamed of me and my doctrine, The Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes with the holy angels in his Father's glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you today in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Lord, for the gift of our lives. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation of the truth of who we are in Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would give us grace today to appreciate at a new level the gift of our souls, that we our body and soul and spirit and that lord we would come to have a greater sensitivity to the preciousness and the glorious reality of our souls and that we would strive to to live in a way that that uh, honors and protects and cleanses that dimension of our lives and lord give us the grace to proclaim the truth of your gospel come what may without fear and with great courage. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're headed towards summer here in the current home, and I've got some kiddos who are finishing school. I think many of you do as well. And I, I've mentioned before, and I'll actually have my daughter on on the program um, in in. The week week or two, once she graduates high school, my daughter Ariana graduating from the Oaks as a senior, um, she's going to be going on um, uh, a missionary year called the Gap Year, um, the World Race. It's what Mary Grace did, uh, and I've mentioned that to you, and she's going to be spending nine months in three countries on three different continents proclaiming the gospel, preaching and uh, demonstrating the gospel by serving the poor and those in need. Um, but uh, and they're doing that through a group called Adventures in Mission. Adventures in Mission. It's a, it's an amazing organization. It's uh, ecumenical. It's so it's interdenominational. So there are a number of Catholics who uh, participate in it, uh, but not only Catholics. And um, they also offer short-term mission trips. And so my sons, John Mark and John Luke, they are a freshman and a sophomore, sophomore and freshman, Uh, they are going to be going to uh, New Orleans in just a couple of weeks. Uh, They leave, I think, a week from Friday, and um, they are going to be there serving the poor and preaching the gospel. And so um, tonight, uh, so they're going to be on at the end of the program, I'm going to give you a little heads up. So when they come, they are going to share about their trip what they'll be doing on their trip. And if any of you do feel prompted to support them uh, as a good father, I'm going to give them the opportunity to ask for financial support. Uh, they don't need to raise a lot of money, but they still need to raise some money. And so uh, I, I have lots of folks in lots of organizations and lots of different efforts that come on to the program. Um, and I am wholeheart- uh, wholehearted in my... Um, encouragement for you to support efforts that I believe in. And so, well, why not my sons? (laughs) So uh, at the end of the program, I'm going to give you a way if you want to support them on their short-term mission trip happening in New Orleans in a couple of weeks, you can, uh, I'll give out an email address. Um, You can actually just go to mycatholicfaith.org, my website, and you can make a nonprofit uh, donation uh, to my site, and that money I'm going to pass straight on through to John Mark and John Luke for their mission trip. So I think they need to raise about, raise about, um, I think it's between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars total that they have to raise. And so um, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org. You can, but once you once you learn more about their mission, you've heard John Mark. John John Mark's been on a couple of times, sharing about um, his insights into the Rosary. Um, he's prayed with me on Sound Insight before, as well as just shared some insights into. Um, The life of faith that he has. So uh, if you're blessed and touched by John Mark's sharing, uh, you can support him as he goes forth on mission. Okay, so um, today on the program, uh, you heard me mention Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 39. And um, 38, sorry, it's the the last several verses of that chapter. And for me, I, I love that section of the gospel. It really does synthesize in a very powerful and direct way, the call we have as disciples of Jesus Christ. And you noticed this time, I'm sure, if you were paying attention, the number of times I used the word soul. So where did that come from? Well, it came from our family prayer time um, on last night. So I'm recording this on, what's tonight? Monday night. Um, and so you're hearing this on Tuesday morning Well, we had our family prayer. And if you've been listening to Sunday Insight, you know that I um, uh, had been challenged by my kiddos to incorporate more scripture reading and sharing into our family prayer. So I said, great, let's do that. So we read this passage and what happened was we got several Bibles out and I had my kids read different versions of this scripture from Mark. Eight thirty-four to thirty-eight, and a couple of the versions would translate the the Greek term for life. Whoever would lose his life for my sake, and the Gospels will um, save it, will preserve it. Um, and the word that they would use is soul, and it made it very distinct. Very, it was like grabbing when when it it got to the like the essence of someone. Right there, soul. And so today in Sound Insight, I'm going to develop a a bit of a Catholic teaching on the soul and the beauty of the soul, the preciousness of the soul, the glory of the soul. And then the question becomes, how do we make sure that we want to take proper care of our soul? Along the way, I'm going to share a testimony from uh, last Friday, last Friday I went to a funeral, and it's it's one of those like tragic, unexpected deaths of a of a, a little boy, four year old boy. I had mentioned last week um, a couple of times. You know, praying for the family. Well, the homily was just amazing. That the ceremony was incredible. That the funeral, the funeral mass, and. You know how, how do you even say those words, right? when you're talking about the unexpected tragic uh, death of of a four-year old boy by by accident and and yet, just just you wait. Just you wait. But in order to get there, I need to begin here, which is something that is more obvious to us, more because it's more visible to our senses, and it's the beauty that's around us in nature. If I said to you, where do you see the most stunning uh demonstration of the beauty of nature i'm going to bet especially if you're here in the in the great northwest and you know most of you listening are are here in the state of washington or in northern idaho though you know there are some folks up in alaska and and so they might smile a little bit when we talk about the grand the, the, you know how grandiose and beautiful the 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 landscape uh, is in nature compared to maybe up in Kodiak, Alaska, but, um, and then in other parts of the country through the the podcast. Okay. The beauty of nature, where do you see it on display in the most stunning way? Sunsets, right? Many of you are going to say sunsets. I know in our home, my kids, especially my younger kids will go scattering around uh, or skittering around looking for a phone to take a picture of a sunset. And they'll do that a couple times a week, uh, the sunsets are beautiful here, and they just want to capture a picture. And and sometimes I'm thinking, well, what's so special? Well, you know, this how why is this one so different than the other? But they have this beautiful sense of of awe at the beauty of a sunset. Well, others of you might say, well, a mountain vista. Now, a mountain vista could be maybe the view of a mountain, and there's a lot of beautiful views of mountains. I know in the Puget Sound area, the view of um, Mount Rainier is just amazing, amazing, especially when you're when I think about Fife and Puyallup and uh, or even when you move even closer uh, towards the um, to the mountain. It is just amazing. Some of the views that are there. But some of the others of you might say, no, 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 Tom, you've got to go up Rattlesnake Lake. You got to go climb up there and you look at the view from the mountain right, from Mount Sai, um, or, or um, uh, from Mount Rainier. The the views that come from a mountain are just stunning. But then there's more. Well, Folks will say, well, wait a minute now. No, no, you have to go down by the lake and just see the beauty of the lakeside, and, or just even the hike in the woods, and, and just the beauty that you see you know, on a hike. Um, so whether it's Lakeside by the water, or maybe by again, if you're on the west side, if you're in the Puget Sound area, you might say no, no, no. You got to go up to Friday Harbor or Orcas Islands or all the way out to Ocean Shores, and you'll see incredible views of the ocean. And so, just the ocean is is so amazing. Um, what about the night sky? <laughs> you know, especially when you're away from city lights and you have a clear night sky and you see the stars, the awe and wonder that emerges. And, and then there are some who are like, Tom, why are you picking all this big stuff We you're at a distance? If you want to see the beauty of nature, if you want to be stunned, just look at one flower. The intricacy, the delicacy, the, uh, the subtlety of one flower is just amazing. Or what about tending to God's creation? in a flower garden, in a landscaped yard, in a bonsai tree collection, there, some of the most stunning displays and demonstrations of the beauty of, I'm not going to say the word nature now, of the beauty of creation. Okay, so let's just stop and ponder that for a minute. This is the beauty of creation. God, the creator, is showing something of his own beauty. The artist is showing something of his own creativity in his art. And so we're looking at God's art in all of creation. And yet, hold on, we haven't even reached the pinnacle of, of visible creation. The pinnacle of visible creation is the human being. And the beauty of a human being is unsurpassed, we, we would say, right? Especially think of a, a little baby. Um, and yet, if I, I added that word invisible, there's something about a, a human being That is a visible, the visible concreteness of a human being that is giving us access to the invisible aspect of the human being, the soul. The beauty of a soul. How beautiful is a soul? Well, um, the beauty of a soul. This soul is created in the image of God. And so, well, we know that we can think about that as, oh, intellect, will, and memory, right, Augustine, one of his favored, most uh, what he would consider the most profound ways that we image God, intellect, will, and memory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's actually Son, Spirit, and Father, if you want to associate those, <laughs> those features with the persons of the Trinity. But not only created in the image of God, but the likeness of God. And that's where, theologically, in our tradition, being created in the image of God is being recreated in the likeness of God, where we share God's life, where God's own divine life is now in us as God's child. And so now we're talking about baptism. We're elevated into a whole new status of a new creation. How beautiful is, is that soul recreated in God's image? Well, there's actually a better word for it. I'll tell you about it in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom and I'm reflecting with you today on souls. And I'm circling around with you this idea of that there are beautiful things in creation. But is there anything more beautiful than a soul? How beautiful is a soul. How glorious, that's the word. How divinely beautiful is a soul. Well, St. Catherine of Siena, okay, so doctor of the church, mystic, she had a vision of a soul. God showed her just how glorious a soul is. And when she glimpsed the soul of a human being she went into ecstasy she raptured she she was enraptured caught up in god that the beauty of this soul was so profound it overwhelmed her and she was literally caught up into god she experienced ecstatic rapture i don't know if you have ever heard that before that That's pretty compelling. (laughs) That's something really powerful. That somehow if we are not sensing or appreciating the beauty of the soul, that dimension of our lives, we are missing out on something. Something fundamental. Something critically important. Something that can change our whole perspective about life. Remember the gospel. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul in the process? What does it profit someone to gain the whole world but lose his soul? My kids and I were reflecting on that. Like I said, okay, what what does it mean to to gain the whole world? And This is where things are not that complicated, right? You could say, well, gaining the whole world means one or more of the following sort of aspects of life. The first natural one is wealth or money. The second other one is fame. Uh, And the third one is power or position. And so if you're going to gain the world, you're gaining the world in one or more of those dimensions of life where you're wealthy, famous, and powerful. And when I asked, I said, can you think of examples of people who've gained the world but have seemingly lost sight of what is ultimately and most deeply important in life? And again, that's one of the duh, dad, come on, hello, this is not that complicated. Just look around it. All these people's lives who have one or more of those features in their lives Right, Because of their fame, they're now wealthy and they've got influence over others and their lives are just destroyed, just a wreck, just a pure train wreck. Or you have uh, people who are wealthy and powerful and you again hear about just the disaster of their lives and it's like, hmm, I'm still drawn to wealth and fame and power, but is there any way for me to have all of those things, but not lose my soul, <laughs> not get destroyed in the process? And and the answer is, it's not easy. It's incredibly difficult. And then all of a sudden, we can start raising even other kinds of questions. Do I really want to put my soul in jeopardy if these things that the world says pursue, chase after, I seek to attain as much as possible wealth, fame, and power if these things are not going to help you, protect your soul, cleanse your soul, grow in that dimension of your life. In fact, if they're going to hinder or, or tarnish or diminish or make uh, dangerous the life of the soul, do I really want those things? Are those things really that important? So when I think about this idea of, how precious the soul is. Like, be careful about what you're pursuing in life. Well, let's talk about the Lord if we want to talk about pursual. How precious in God's eyes is our soul, is our lives? Well, we do know that we are the only creatures that God has made for himself right? All, all of creation, you look around you, and among all of creatures, we were created to find our end, our goal, our purpose in union with him, right? Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We have been created by God, but we are also created for God, for a relationship with God. That's how God created us. He wants, he wants, he wills, he's passionate about, and he is pursuing a relationship with us. He is, in the words of the Song of Songs, You have ravished my heart, my sister, my bride. You have ravished my heart with one glance of your eyes. D- did you hear that? That's from the Lord speaking to the soul in our tradition it's Jesus speaking to the bride to the bride the church it's God speaking to you in that dimension of your life that that can welcome him into it that's our soul our soul can welcome God we're made for God that's that Kapox Dei again that's that capacity for God the capacity to receive God the capacity to be in a loving union with God the soul it's the soul that is so precious it's the soul that endures beyond death the soul leaves the body, we're out of our natural state, and we attain to union with God only to be, well, reconnected, (laughs) reintegrated, reunited with our then glorified bodies at the end of time. But it's our soul, it's that dimension of our lives that we lose sight of just how precious we are in God's eyes. One of the ways that saints have talked about it, one of the, it might have been St. Catherine of Siena again, but other saints have said it as well, that one soul is more precious to God than all of creation. One soul is more precious to God than all of creation. Now remember, remember I, I went extensively through all the incredible things that you see in creation, like all the beautiful things that leave us stunned in in, in, in amazed at how beautiful they are and like how valuable they are, and 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 it just let you just left in awe and wonder, jaw dropping open. Wow, do you ever stop and say, In God's eyes, I am more precious then not just that sunset, not just that lake, not just that mountain, not just, no, everything. All this other stuff. One of the things I I used to say, I used to uh, like and say is, uh, yeah, my dad owns this place. And, and you know, you've been with people and they're like, oh yeah, my dad owns that place over there, that building or that business or that house uh, or, or that car. My dad owns this place. I like to kind of point at everything and say... My dad owns this place, everything, all of this. For my dad, my heavenly father, owns all of this. He is Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all. And he created all of this for us. He created all of this for us. And he created us for himself. Now, I want you to stop for a minute. We're going to shift directions and talk about how we take time to attend to our souls versus attending to our bodies. So you've heard me mention in the last few weeks, I finally, after two and a half years of struggling with my uh, injury in my calf, I went and started working with a physical therapist and a trainer, so that I can get my body moving again in a healthy direction. And uh, it's amazing, I, I kind of applauded this physical therapist, and I had to humbly acknowledge that I'm, I'm a bit arrogant when it came, came to uh, not appreciating all that a physical therapist could do to improve your physical condition in your well-being. I am amazed. And the only thing that I want to acknowledge more than how amazed I am at the difference a physical therapist can make a good one who knows how to, you know, help you with whatever kind of injury, but just for me, it's like sort of a sports therapist. Um, the only thing that amazes me more is how amazed I am at how poor a shape I'm in that the trainer is revealing to me. <laughs> I don't think of myself as being in that bad a shape. Yeah, yeah, just a, a session with that trainer yeah, earlier today uh, on Monday. Um, that was, yeah, that was really humbling. I, I you know, at a, after simple exercises, simple, not a lot of weight, I'm thinking I'm going to pass out. Actually, no, I'm not going to pass out. I'm going to throw up. <laughs> that was my theme. Am I going to pass out or am I going to throw up? And, and this might the thing that was the most humbling about it all, it's not like I was lifting a lot of weight. It's not like I was even doing really complicated exercises. Just looking around the gym, I was the guy that was doing the, the easiest of the exercises, and I was huffing and puffing and sweating. I'm thinking, wow, I'm doing a, a lot to get my body in shape. I'm doing a lot to heal my body of this uh, diminishment. I'm doing a, an awful lot of time, attention, and yeah, expense to be able to get my body healthy so that I can fulfill the, the call I have as a husband and a father and, and to live a life where I have the energy I need to be able to do the work that God has for me to do man, I'm putting a lot of time and effort into getting my body to be in good shape. Anybody see where this is going? Yeah, you see where this is going. This is not complicated. You see where this is going. But before I go there and make that next point, like what am I doing for my soul? I could just look around the gym and say, I, I'm i just devoting you know an hour or two um, once or twice a week to move myself forward in in my physical well-being. I look around the gym and, you know, the, the dedication, the conscientiousness, the intentionality, the determination, the commitment, those are big words. And I saw all those words on display. And I saw the effects of those words in how good a shape The people were that were around me. Not all of them, right? This wasn't some kind of special gym, but man, they were people there. They were they were committed. They were they, man. They're in all for the sake of their bodies, all for the sake of having their bodies in shape. What about the soul? What about the importance of the soul? And what do we do? And how do we think about how do we how how does our whole life become thought about in a different way if we begin with the preciousness of the soul and the ultimate vocation of our lives. The ultimate vocation of our lives is less connected to our bodies than to our souls. Just remember that, right? The ultimate vocation of our lives is union with God in heaven, and that is something that where the soul has a primacy, a priority, now we live our lives here on earth, we're, 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 we're integrated, I'm not saying that the body's bad and the soul is good, no, no, I'm not saying that, let me say it again, the body's not bad and the soul is good, I'm not saying that, but if we lose sight of the body, sorry, if we lose sight of the soul, which is invisible, but manifests itself in the visibility of our own beings in our bodies, in our bodily life, we must keep them integrated boy, it feels like there is such a separation in our society today and the dominant modes of our culture that puts such emphasis on the body to the detriment of the soul. So what would it look like? What would it look like if everything was reversed and we saw things from the perspective of our ultimate goal, which is life with God in heaven, if we saw things from the ultimate goal perspective, then all of a sudden, the state of our soul becomes so much more important than the state of our body. Let me give you an example. Poignant, sobering, powerful example. Last Friday. Last Friday I went to a mass, a burial, and then the reception that followed after of a, again, the tragic unexpected loss by accident of a four-year-old boy. A four-year-old boy, part of our community at St. Joan of Arc, but also connected to um, the community at St. Thomas the Apostle in Coeur d'Alene. And I, I, I've i got to reflect more on this, but I saw, I saw the Church of the Future there. It was the first—I've talked about it, I've envisioned it, but I've never seen it in the flesh. I saw it last Friday at St. Thomas, at the funeral of this sweet, precious four-year-old boy, this little saint, this little saint. And I saw the, the community of the traditional Latin Mass come together with the community of the Novus Ordo, that the, the Mass in English— in a way that I'd never seen it happen before, ever. It was so powerful. And I'm still trying to process it. Um, It's probably worth talking about at some other point, but I want to come around to the homily because it was unlike anything I've heard at hard funerals, difficult funerals. And what was the difference? The difference comes down to one word, soul. What way was it different? I'll tell you in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you today. So when I think about hard funerals, right, hard funerals are funerals typically of um, uh, either children, children who die before their time, before the, the concept of living a full life, um, or of tragic accidents, right? the unexpected death that happens out of time, out of sync, so we would think as well. And in those kind of funerals, the typical homily that I hear, the typical approach of the, of the priest presiding and the, priest, the homilist is, um, we look to God with our sadness, with our puzzlement, with our why, and we'll never know why. And it's very much a perspective of, being with the grieving community and looking towards heaven and looking to God in the mystery of we'll never know why, we won't understand, and we are together in sadness asking for the Lord's comforting presence to be with us. And and it's not bad, right? It's not bad. It's like you feel out outmatched, right You feel like this is so much bigger than um, what we can identify because like there are no words to adequately address what's happened. With all that said, if we began on the other from the other side, if we began from the standpoint of what's the purpose of our lives, the goal of our lives is becoming saints. The goal of our lives, becoming saints means, being with the Lord forever in heaven. If that's the goal of our lives, and we know that that comes from being in perfect union with the Lord, being freed from all sin, all the stain of sin, all the darkness, all the bondage, um, all of the betrayals that sin involves and all the negative effects of sin, and where where do those effects manifest themselves? In the soul. Yeah, they, they overflow for sure in, in how we look at life and our attitudes and in our behaviors and, and obviously there'll be obviously uh, bodily impacts, relational impacts for sure. But they all get traced back to the soul. They get ba- traced back to the soul. And so in this homily, and I'm going to see maybe if I can um, respectfully get access to this homily to be able to air it for you all. the The entire theme of this was that the Lord has created us for himself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And this little boy, little Johnny, is resting in God. And we know he's resting in God because his soul was pure. He never sinned. And he will get to be in heaven forever with that particular glory of, of being able to display a life lived on earth that involved no personal sin. His baptismal purity remained unstained. His baptismal regeneration into a child of God remained glorious and pure. And to be able to address with such reverence The strand in our tradition, and this is what the homilist did. It was Father Gordon from St. Joan of Arc, and I'm not even doing it justice, so if there's anything you don't like about it, blame it on me, not on Father Gordon. But Father Gordon was able to draw out this strand in our tradition where um, incredible saints have pointed out that the Lord has a particular love for souls, And a particular love for certain souls that is manifested by drawing them home to himself in ways that we in the world cannot understand. That the Lord loves this soul so much that he's saying, I will have you to be with me forever in this state of purity, in this state of being unblemished and unstained. I will to have you safely home with me because of my love for you. And again, to be able to speak that kind of message in a funeral that when you just like lay out the facts of the situation would seem utterly like a foreign, uh, difficult, awkward, uh, or just something that you'd want to leave on the sidelines. No, this was placed front and center. Brothers and sisters, our whole life ought to be measured by the reality of our soul, the health of our souls, the the purity of our souls. Or, another way of saying it is, what does a prophet, a man, to gain the whole world and lose his soul in the process? Is a long life a better life? Is it better to live longer? Well, if it's St. Paul saying, "I the better thing is to, to die and be home with the Lord, that is the far better thing. But if I'm to remain here on earth, then that means for me fruitful labor, laboring for God's kingdom, laboring for other souls to have them be set free from their sin their bondage their darkness the staining the the uh, betrayals the the damages and the 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 vitality or the 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 death of the soul of the very spiritual life the 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 animation the the spiritual well-being of the soul how many people do you see that you walk you, you bump into them you're talking with them And from a worldly standpoint, they're doing great, not just doing fine, they're doing great. But when you walk away from them, you say, I would not want to be that person. That person has a hard life. That person has a really hard life. Oh, not hard because of the house they're living in, not hard because of the the people they get to hobnob with, and not hard because of the position they have, but Man, the attitude that person has, the ugliness that shows up in them, the 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 challenges that they that they have to face day to day to that wow, the filth on their soul that manifests through the filth in their eyes, the filth of their lives, the filth in their lips, the filth of their deeds. And and I'm not trying to pick on the wealthy, the famous, and the powerful. I'm just using that as whatever it is that is the filth that clings to us. Is it really better for me to live that longer life if that longer life isn't being used to sanctify and to preserve the vitality of my soul? Save our souls. Save our souls. I think we 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 live in a time that is in desperate need of courageous disciples courageous evangelists who are willing to battle for the precious, glorious souls. Yes, the very lives of their brothers and sisters here on earth. What does a man offer for his life? If anyone in this faithless and corrupt age is ashamed of me and my doctrine, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes with the holy angels in his Father's glory. Mark chapter 8, 38. The Lord needs courageous proclaimers of the gospel willing to go right in the midst of danger, right in the midst of harm, right in the midst of uh, places that will rescue those whose souls are in danger. One of the most tragic aspects of the horrific shooting that happened by that unfortunately, mentally unstable teenager in Uvalde, Texas, was the screams that were coming from the parents who were cordoned off from the school, yelling at the police, get in there, get in there, do your job, get in there, save our children's lives. Yeah, that's, what you're, that's your job. Your job is to get in there and save their lives even if it means putting your life at risk you don't stand back from danger you don't avoid danger you don't betray your call by being unwilling to literally to take to take uh, the risk of putting your life in danger to rescue the lives of little children who are powerless against this young man with his weapons. That for me is one of the most painful parts of that whole horrific incident was the questions that were around, the cries in the hearts of the parents telling the police, why won't you get in there and save our kids? Now, we don't know the whole story yet. Hopefully it'll all come out and it won't be as bad as it's sounding. But What a terrible tragedy that we didn't have men and women willing to put their lives on the line to rescue the little ones, to help save their souls and their bodies, to save their lives. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight, this is Tom Curran. In this last segment of the program, I mentioned to you that I was going to have on my sons, John Mark and John Luke. John Mark is a sophomore at the Oaks and John Luke is a freshman at the Oaks and they are here with me to talk about saving souls. Save our souls, that's the theme of the program guys, uh, talking all about the preciousness and the glory of the of the soul created in the image of God and made for a relationship with God. So first of all, welcome guys.
1: Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you.
0: Yeah, so the reason I have them on is because of a mission trip they're doing. Um, John Mark, why don't you tell the listeners about the mission trip that you guys, that you two are taking?
1: Yeah, so this summer, me and my brother and around 40 kids and 10 adults from the Oaks will be going out to New Orleans to spread God's word and just to minister to the people down there. And it's around a week-long mission trip, and it starts at the beginning of summer.
0: That's great. Uh, yeah, I was very excited to have you guys do that. Folks, if you have never had your um, your kids go on a short-term mission trip. Kids, these guys are teenagers, on a short-term mission trip. It can be very powerful. It can really stretch them to be witnesses, to say, well, we're, we're doing this not as a vacation and not just as an act of social justice to help, help some folks, but to bear witness to Jesus Christ by putting their lives out there, literally making a trip, getting on a plane, sleeping in in a church basement, and uh, making sacrifices for the sake of living the gospel. Uh, John Luke, when you think about um, this trip, what was it that made you say, this is something that I want to do?
2: Well, I've always kind of wanted to try to share God's word with people that I've never heard of God or just haven't really thought about it at all. So I thought it'd just be like a really good and interesting experience to just to share, be able to share the gospel and my testimony to people down in New Orleans who might not have had, who might not have heard God's word and his gospel.
0: So in this particular trip, and again, this is happening through Adventures in Missions and it's a group that um, my family has come to really appreciate because of our daughter Mary Grace and now Ariana who are gonna be doing nine month mission trips around the world. These guys are just, just. these guys are going to New Orleans um, that has also been hard hit in many ways in the past 15 years. And um, you guys are gonna be going there to um, bring the gospel in a variety of ways. What are some of the things that you guys will be doing
2: We'll we'll be doing some. We'll help out at this camp, and in the camp, we'll be teaching little kids about what Jesus has done for us and how He loves us all, and how He rose from the dead, and how He loves everybody, and how He wants us to love Him back. And we'll just be showing some little kids in a camp how to pray, and just teach them how to pray, and just teach them and give out some Bibles, and it will be a great time.
0: Nice. Uh, what are, what is, I, I think that's, a, so that's one of the actions that you guys will be doing. I know there's also a component of serving the poor in a, in a couple of ways.
1: Yeah, so every morning we'll wake up, and we'll have about an hour to 30 minutes to do some Bible reading and to pray. And then we'll go off, and we'll go to either, like my brother said, we'll go to a Bible camp, or we'll go to a food bank, in which we'll be serving the more needy in the, count, in the city and in that area. And I believe we're also going to be doing some street missionary as well. And then towards the end of the day, we'll get back together, we'll group up, and have dinner. And after that, we'll take about an hour to just pray. And this mission trip, the people leading it, the two parents and the other adults, have given us as the kids going on it, a lot more freedom to feel and to pray about and just to realize what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So within that hour of prayer, we'll be able to go around and to try to bless those around us as we feel called or just go to a church and pray or help at the food bank some more or any other thing that we feel called to do.
0: I think that's awesome. And I mentioned at the very beginning of the program that um, this is a, a mission trip that you guys are taking and uh, in order for you guys to be able to participate, you're raising money for this. And I know that you guys have done some work for me in order to um, get some money and you've done some service in the community to be able to raise some money to be able to take this trip. But you still have some some uh, ways to go where you're yeah. <laughs> you've reached out to some family and friends and others that know you. Uh, and said, hey, can you guys support us by, by prayer and also by making a financial donation? Yeah. So I, um, uh, I want to encourage you folks, if, if you're blessed by the ministry that um, I talk about with Carrie, we um, are attempting to raise our kids in faith. And if you're blessed by, I, I know John Mark's been on a couple times before, um, and you want to help them be able to uh, take this trip, this mission trip, uh, to New Orleans, uh, I encourage you to go to mycatholicfaith.org. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you can make a donation right there on the website. It's a non—it's uh, it, it's a nonprofit organization, and the donation that you make um, will come to me, which I will pass on to them. So you get the the gift of being able to make an, um, a tax-deductible donation, and that money will all go towards uh, the costs of John Mark and John Luke going on this mission trip. So again, I do encourage you if that's a if that's something that you're open to, if that's something that you'd like to support, I know that they would be blessed by any amount that you can give. I think that they you guys have what have about between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars left to raise, is that right? Something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Here? Yeah. So I think that would be that would be tremendous. It would be a real blessing to them. Would you guys be grateful to that?
1: Yes, please.
0: Yes you would. Okay, great. So One of the things that I know that is also attractive to you guys is that you're going on this mission trip with um, schoolmates, uh, friends of yours, Mm -hmm. that you guys study together, you play sports together, you hang around together. Why is this going to be different and why is this going to be special?
1: Um, Well, the community that we live in and that we hang around in is very uh, centered based around Christ and His Word. And his gospel so we're always together and we always know that we may have some differences here and there in our theology but overall we all believe that jesus is lord and that the gospels are true but taking us in the environment we live in now but moving us to new orleans will be a much bigger stretch for us because unlike here many people down there haven't heard god's word or haven't been shown what uh truth in christ is so it'll stretch our relationship with each other and even more so our relationship with christ but instead of bringing us farther apart we hope and we pray that it'll actually bring us closer together and that it'll bless not only those who who we will be praying with and uh, preaching to but it will also help us in our spiritual life with christ and his holy word now, John,
0: John Luke, you uh, one of the things that uh, you you guys have both done and you've been put on teams. And so you guys have been getting together with these teams uh, as a way of preparing for the trip that's coming up in just a couple of weeks for you guys. Talk a little bit about the way that your faith has grown and you've seen like uh, the gift of faith even more alive among your friends and classmates that are going on the trip with you in these times of preparation.
2: Well, in these times that we have gathered as uh, the New Orleans kids, we have been asked to just think more about our testimony and think more about how we are planning on sharing God's word and just thinking more like breaking it down to a simpler level. So that's been really awesome trying to figure out how to like break it down and figuring out our own testimonies because it's really made me think more about where have I come from and where, I've, where am I now and where I should try being where i should try to head to so that's just i've never really thought about my testimony and just my journey with christ and it's really this new orleans mission trip has really just opened my eyes to all of that
0: yeah this this just whole concept folks um it's something that i've um i know i've talked about quite a bit with father lewis and uh even the vocation director here Uh, in the Diocese of Spokane, to help young men uh, discern a call to the priesthood, get them away from comfortable settings, get them away from easy um, situations, and put them into situations that are gonna stretch them, that are gonna be difficult and hard. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the reasons why um, Kerry and I were so supportive of the boys getting on a plane and being in a situation that was gonna be difficult. And even, I'm sorry, John Mark, you wanna say something real quick? We only got a minute left, so.
1: Um, no, I was just saying, I was agreeing with you that it will be a stretch for us when I first, uh, was hearing about it and I was first hearing how we'd be uh, living while we were there and what we'd be eating and all that kind of stuff. I was getting kind of stressed out or I was getting a little anxious about, oh, what if this isn't A, B or C or this is A, B or C, like how comfortable will it be? But then I started praying about it more and I started realizing that this comfort, this standing out of comfort will actually br- bring us closer to Christ because it's through the hard times that Christ works in our life, not through the easy times. So it'll be great to open up our lives and to let go of those pleasures so that Christ can take those, uh, that role in our life.
0: Well, that that was the gospel we talked about tonight in our family prayer. I know this, mm-hmm. this is being heard on Tuesday morning, but on Monday night we <laughs> reflected on Mark chapter eight, picking up your cross, denying yourself. So. Um, I want to thank you, boys. Thank you, John Mark and John Luke, for being with me on the program. And again, folks, I just want to encourage you. Uh, If you're blessed by what you've heard and you want to walk with them through prayer, please do that. If you could make a donation of financial support, I know that Carrie and I have done that and continue to give them work to do to help them raise money. But if you could be a blessing to them, you can go to mycatholicfaith.org. Just make a donation there. It's tax deductible. It's a nonprofit organization uh, that all the money that you give uh, in these days, I'm going to pass on to them to help them be able to make this trip to New Orleans. Thank you so much, folks. MyCatholicFaith.org. Make a donation to support my sons. God bless.